it's easy for me because it's always introductory because new people come in every time so you go back <laughs> I can't get too metaphysical I gotta go back to the basics which I like I wanted to share something I shared last night from a, an old book by a guy Ramana Maharshi actually by a follow of his and uh, because this in a sense if if you've been struck with the disease of spiritual seeking this is a good statement about that because uh, of that dilemma that you run into this is describes it quite well and this is what we really basically speak from on all times so it's not so much trying to quantify or to point to what needs to be looked for but to really point back to what's looking yeah so questioning the reference that life is being interpreted from and seeing if it's a real reference or a false reference or is it a reference that could move or shift or is it totally stable and stationary and permanent yeah because a lot of people don't look don't like what's happening yeah and they don't sometimes they miss the importance of the person who's seeing it to what's happening like in physics they have a very famous axiom where they said the greatest influence of any experiment is the observer of it so the greatest influence of every experiment is the observer of it or observation distorts what's observed you and I give everything all the meaning it has so you get to get you get a strange sense of your role here not as a victim or as something that's being imposed upon but a big big player here because if you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has that's a very big comprehensive statement everything and all in one sentence sort of covers every base so everything and all (laughs) so you and I give everything all thoughts feelings all the meaning they have now many of us that most people have a program called self-centeredness most people have that it's it's affected by cultures and ethnicities and times you were seemingly born but it's a basic format or a stock version of interpretation here that most people seem to be saddled with self-centeredness so if you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has and we're viewing everything from a self-centered point of view then that self-centered point of view is give is going to give everything all the meaning it has so how many of our experiences many people in recovery they they have a huge experience of seeing threats where there are no threats and all this stuff happens because if we're seeing if we're if we're what's giving everything all the meaning it has and let's just say like the Course of Miracles would uh, suggest that we see only the past so basically we're just re-seeing everything just like the word resentment means to re-feel yeah it means to re-feel so a resentment is a re-feeling well in most cases we're rethinking re-feeling re-hearing re-seeing re-doing re-da-da-da ra-da-da we're basically seeing only the past so basically we're seeing nothing and in that seeing nothing we give all that nothing all the meaning it has and if that's not you 
and you seem to be, if there seems to be a certain point of view imposed on you, sort of for me it's like a parasitical movement or a foreign installment, I have ways of saying it that gives me distance between it and me. I like the parasitical movement because that's how it feels like. Yeah, I believe the alcoholism is a parasitical movement, but what the parasite attaches to is self-centeredness. Without self-centeredness, there'd be no traction for alcoholism. It's, it's the amplification of self. So a lot of people are self-centered, but it's sort of like if you have alcoholism, it's sort of like changing from an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar. It gets more amplified, <laughs> but, but it's basically playing the same instrument, which is self. Yeah? And a lot of times people can get recovery from alcoholism, but they do not get recovery from self-centeredness. Yeah? And you can see it very clearly because in recovery, and recovery applies to everyone here because everyone's recovering from something in most cases. Yeah? Some seem more drastic and obvious, but everyone is recovering from something. So if you see in, in our program recovery, we have a first step called the first step, and it's you are powerless over alcohol and, your lives have be, and our lives have become unmanageable. Okay, so powerless over alcohol, what does that mean? Well, to me it means like dancing with a gorilla. If I'm dancing with a gorilla, we're going to stop when it wants to stop. I don't have any power to sway the gorilla's intentions, yeah? So when I'm powerless over something, something has more sway over me than I do. Yet, and so, and some people have a huge clear hit of their powerlessness over alcohol, yet they're still harvesting tons of guilt and shame about what they did when they were under the influence. So the self-centeredness, the self-centeredness still overrides the solution of alcoholism because the self-centeredness will still claim those actions that were totally influenced by alcoholism and, call, and claim them to be yours. I've seen it in my own life and I see it with people I work with. They're not off the hook. They still believe they did all that shit when they're out there. When I realized that this was a disease of alcoholism or a disease of self-centeredness, I remember the first time I was with my friends. We used to ride motorcycles my first year of AA. So we had two girlfriends and we went to his apartment, which were upstairs, yeah? And I had this new woman I was trying to impress and I was trying to impress him and his girlfriend I was trying to look cool and stuff. And we walk up the stairs and this Asian woman comes by and she has uh, paint all over her blue jeans. And then she passes by. We go upstairs. My friend forgot something, went down to the motorcycle, came back and says, oh, my, my neighbor would wanna, wants to talk to you. And I thought he had told her I was a house painter and I was going to give her some painting tips. So here I am in the room with this girl I'm trying to impress him and everything. And she comes in and she says, hello, Paul. And I don't recognize her. And she says, you owe me $500. (laughs) And so I got caught with my pants down, basically. And yet, because I had uh, understood that this was a disease, the guilt and shame wasn't triggered. I realized I would have done what I did to her to anyone unless she could physically stop me. Yeah how the understanding served me. By just understanding the true condition, it relieved me a lot of, of a lot of suffering. I knew that I was powerless over alcohol and drugs. When I did it, I was apt to do anything. 
until unless you could physically stop me. So why the hell am I claiming to be the one who did that? I'm accountable. It's like if my dog shits in someone's lawn, I'm accountable, but I don't believe I shat on the lawn. Yeah. Hopefully not. You know what I mean? I say, okay, I'll keep my dog away, but I'm not going to be responsible. I'm accountable for the freaking dog. I'm accountable for the, the behaviors, but I'm not responsible for the behaviors. I had no say in the matter. Yet why is the head keeps on harping on all the guilt and shame it's producing out of it? When do you let off of that hook? So the self-centeredness is a very stubborn mental condition. It can have alcoholism. It can be free from alcoholism. It can get better. It can get worse. It can be have therapy or not have therapy. It can have spiritual realizations. Whatever comes in contact, it comes in contact with through your life, it will claim. And instead of wearing, let's say, leather jackets and, you know, long hair, it'll get robes and patchouli oil. It'll just adapt to the new circumstances. Now it'll be recovered self, just like it was an addict self. But this, the bondage of self is still in place during recovery, before recovery, and after recovery. It's almost like Teflon. You can apply as much spirituality as you want, but every bit of spirituality you apply, you'll, be, you'll say, I'm the one who's meditating. I'm the one who's having realizations. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. Just like I was the one who fucked up. I was the one who shot that coke. It's the same, same. Yeah? That thing hasn't changed one bit. It's just adapted. Yeah? The same voice that was talking to you before you got sober is still talking to you now after. That was not interrupted one bit. It's now critiquing your program. <laughs> it is. It's critiquing, you know, you're not good enough. You've got to meditate. You your spiritual condition is sorely lacking. You know what I mean? You've got to work, whatever. You know what I mean? Jesus, and we keep responding if it's like it's the Greek oracle. It's fucking insane. So this is a beautiful statement that can save you a lot of freaking time. And a lot of these messages are really about saving time. Because, like there's a chapter in The Course of Miracles. If you don't know it, it's a pretty cool download. And in The Course of Miracles, there's a very famous chapter, I Need Do Nothing, which I love. And in I Need Do Nothing, it, he, she, whatever... uh, describes all these lives, ways of getting to the truth. And it says, because the big M mind intends it to work, it will, but it may take a long, long freaking time. So it talks about the life of meditation, the life of contemplation, the life of service, the life of devotion. And it says, all well and good, but if you're reading this book right now, it says this book may have a purpose for you, which is to save you time. Because all of those things... If they're worth their salt, they're going to lead you to one realization, and that realization is, I need do nothing. Why not start there? All the somethings that you acquire, all the something that you do, are going to always end up as nothing. Why not just start at nothing and see that's fucking everything? You are what you're looking for. When it says the seeker is the sort, it doesn't say the seeker and then four pages of requirements it has to go through to be the sort. It says the seeker is the sort. It doesn't say, you. all right, you've been 20 years of this, strenuous, constant. No, seeker, sort. What? Seeker, sort. Sort, seeker. What? 
yeah, no requirements necessary, but all the requirements that seem to pop up, right, are not from the sort's point of view. That's totally open from the seeker's point of view. And maybe if you're not the seeker, you'll be freed from the requirements you're living under. Maybe which is being, with that which is being put off based on your behavior may be ever presently available. It may happen all of a sudden because that's, it, that's where it survives in all of a sudden. So this is a simple thing. A great master said, or I think he's a great master. It says, presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. Thing, yes? Thing, 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 thing. He's saying presupposing, not just supposing, but presupposing. So the assumption's already in place. So presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. And then wanting to get salvation, this is important, (coughs) then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing. You have to start and try to do so through the above four said four paths of yoga. This is just, he's from a Hindu tradition, but let's say whatever, you know, yoga, meditation, concentration, Pilates, whatever, you know, add whatever you want to so when your practices themselves, this is the trick, is I don't know about you, but I did a lot of practices and I never saw this fundamental flaw until it was revealed to me. Every time I did meditation, it was provoking a stronger sense of being the meditator. I had no idea this little sub-agenda was going on while I was thinking I was getting, trying to get to be free. The bondage was being reinforced by all my attempts to go free. You have to start and try to do so through the... When your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the the non-existent thing, or let's say called the ego. I don't like the word ego because we have a feeling we have an ego. That to me is the self thing, the feeling of having an ego. And the feeling of losing an ego never leaves with the ego. It's always a feeling you had and lost. Yes, that's the selfing to me. That's the bonding point. Not having an ego. The ego is not the bonding point. It's having one or not having one. Both are bonding. So when your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent ego, how can they destroy it? Or as a great Zen master says, you can't use activity to produce stillness. That would be activity. You can't work hard to to get to peace. (laughs) Working hard is the absence of peace, in a sense. I mean, working hard isn't. It's the feeling of being the one who's working hard is, really. Working hard's fine. Not working hard's fine. So... When your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent ego, how can they, des- they destroy it? To do any practices except self-inquiry, which is a lovely thing, it's a lovely, lim- very simple wrench in the works, which is you just ask, you have no opinion about worrying about what next week or not worrying about next week, you just ask, just who is it that's worrying about next week? Yeah? 
if it's not you worrying about next week, I bet you you'll lose interest in worrying about next week. Because the interest about next week is because it's you going to be there. You have no interest in my next week, basically. <laughs> but you have tons of interest in your next week. So next week isn't provoking any interest, is it? No, it's your appearance in it. <laughs> so if you're not interested in that appearance, would next week have any huge sway over you anymore? No. You would lose interest in it. And then you'd gain interest in what? Maybe the present, which there isn't any present, there's just this. Yeah. So to do any practice except this simple thing, self-inquiry, the existence of the mind is indispensable. So the sense of the mind doing something is indispensable to the doing. And that's the trap. Because then the doing is used to imply the doer. And the doer is the bondage of self. Not the doing and the not doing. It's the doing. It's the doer. But the doer can be produced both ways. In not doing and in doing. In being high and being bummed out. In being close and being far away. In being loved, being in hate. The same, same. You and I become the axle of the seesaw. Yeah. It goes this way, that way, but this never changes. The sense of self is always secure in the swing of both. Close to the truth and far away from the truth. It goes on and on and on and on all day. It's like a, a mental current of low and high tide. And you picture yourself as a little ball, a body bobbing up and down, and you're hoping the winds of your efforts will bring you close, but then you fuck something up and you get blown away. <laughs> it's like that. It's like a sadistic adult playing a game with kids where they hide the egg in the backyard and they play getting warm, and it's going, you've got a big microphone. Oh, you're getting warmer. You're getting, and then it's just, oh, you're cold. You know, there's no egg at all. You're the egg, but you're looking for it, and some fucking insane things telling you you're getting close keep working oh you made you ate some meat today you're out you're out you've been out at home game starts all over again I have to buy a new uniform alright spring training practice work hard you're standing on home and you're getting called out sliding in it sounds insane but we've been on this character for quite a while, eh? It's like the idea of a hamster cage, a hamster wheel. If you ever look at it, what's the incest in the essential ingredient of a hamster wheel is the hamster. <laughs> if the hamster isn't it is isn't in it, it's not a wheel at all, is it? It's not moving, it's not wheeling. But the hamster gets in and suddenly it starts running and there's the wheeling. And then it wants to get free from the wheeling and then it gets thrown out and it's free from the wheeling and it goes back in to get free from the wheeling and there's the wheeling. And it just can't put it together. Why is the party not good when I get there? Everyone said it's going to be great when I arrive, but every time I arrive it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, for how to perform practices without the mind, the small m mind. Sometimes we speak of the big m mind, small m mind. Small m mind are, to me, mental processes, and selfing is one of them, the main one. Yeah? So, for how to perform these practices without the mind, to try to destroy the ego by practices other than self-inquiry is to be just like a thief turning himself into a policeman to catch the thief who is none other but himself. 
Officer Paul, <laughs> Thief Paul. Officer, they change roles. <laughs> Once you're caught, you become the officer. Now you're looking for the thief. <laughs> Only self-inquiry can reveal the truth that the ego has no existence whatsoever. You do not accept this ego. You do not so do not accept the ego, the truth of which you have not yet found out by scrutiny. Have you ever seen you? You've seen you as a body in the mirror. Have you ever seen you? Have you ever seen what's talking up in the head? Have you ever seen it? Yeah. You've heard it a lot, but have you ever seen it? It sounds like you, but it never comes into the room you're in, does it? It's always talking somehow. Show yourself. (laughs) It's never there. So this little simple trick is like the big, big thing. Because if you take a 10,000-step trip, the first step's the most important because it sets the direction. Whereas in Buddhism, they present this fourfold noble path about suffering and desires, the root of it, and so on and so forth. And then they present uh, a path called the Eightfold Path. And if you look at it in a linear way, it starts with right view, and then it has things like right understanding, right livelihood, I don't know them all, right meditation. And from the self's point of view, when it sees that, it believes it can arrive at the right view through right meditation. But it's the view that gives the rightness to the meditation. The meditation does not produce the view. We're here trying to entertain the view. Buddhism's view supposedly is non-self. Yeah? That there is no long-lasting, independent, separate entity in this equation. Yeah? We're feeling there is because of an identification as a body. That's its verification. The whole selfing story is based on body. It would fall apart in a second if there was no body for it to relate to. Because the body can be thought about all day. You can picture your body in all of these places in all these different times and stay really busy thinking about it all day. And that's what the mental state does quite a lot. It spends most of its time, which is the only moment there is, in the fields of time, into yesterday and tomorrow. And it produces imaginary harvests, and then you feel the bushels of that now. You feel a contraction when there is no apparent threat right now in this room. In a way, we're not responding to life. We're reacting to an interpretation of life, a dead interpretation that just redoes itself. Every moment that seems new, it makes it into an old one. It refers back to memory. You can notice it. I remember when... I was working in a regular place, you know, you'd be working and you'd get home and then you'd eat, have some beers and eat, I didn't eat much, but have some beers. <laughs> About 8.30, your head would tell you he had a bad day, you know, and you'd be like, almost like it was a CNN news flash. <laughs> you had a really fucked up bad day and it's like news to you. You were in the day the whole time. Wouldn't you know it was bad while it was batting? Do you have, are you on a 10-hour delay to know what happened? I mean, are you really waiting on a long line of news broadcast? I finally got the, oh, that was a bad day. And then it starts justifying why it was, and there you are. 
you don't want to go back to work the next day. Fuck, that guy really fucked with me. It dawned on me ten hours later, but he did. A lot can happen in ten hours. <laughs> like that, a huge story. <laughs> Doesn't it give you a little sense that maybe you're displaced? I mean, yeah, these little clues are not to beat oneself up with. They indicate something. Like if I'm here, I see a lot of times I've seen people at a lot of these meetings flipping out, and it's never based on the day they're in. They're flipping out about last week or next week. They're not reacting now, because right now there's no apparent threat. How could fear be provoked by this freaking moment? You can walk out, there's no locked doors, we're not freaking in chains, nothing else. Yet, people, if you see that's going on, that's an indication you're not responding to what's happening. You're reacting to what's not happening. The addiction is in place. The bondage of self is actually being applied right then and there. The bondage of self did not happen at a historical event. It wasn't like I was in Des Moines, Iowa, and I was bonded to self, you know, October 12, 1983. It's an activity. It's a mental activity. You either take it or you don't. If you take, if you believe in the activity, that's the bondage of self. If there's an abstaining from it, that's the freedom from the bondage of self. They're both possibilities right now in this moment. Where, where the, where the turning point? It's a matter which way we're facing. If we're facing one way, that's the reality. If we face the other, that's not the reality. Yeah, simple as that every day. It's not like an event that you, when you are finally freed, it's an activity. It's more like freeing. And it's on, it's available all times, and the mental state will present its story in a, a lot of the time. But it's sort of like a gunslinger. They've done a lot of research, and supposedly it takes five hundredth of a second for that sense of self to be produced. That's pretty fast in time. I don't think many many processes and practices are never going to beat that. That scunsling is going to win every fight. But the thing is, if the solution is inherently of what we are, and I truly believe what what we are of is timeless. It is not of time. Therefore, that gunslinger can never be beat by anything in time because the gun's never not out. You know, you can, it's the mental state's never going to outdraw what is, because the mental state takes time to produce the sense of self, but what you are has no time involved in it. If you're resting there, you have an eternity between you and selfing. If you're resting in selfing, it's as if there is no this. You know, then you're cast, to, you're cast to the point after bondage, and then all the seeking is trying to get relief from that seeming bondage, but the solution or the freedom from bondage is prior to bondage. It's entertaining the impossibility of what you're believing to be so. Yeah? That all of this bounding has never bound you one freaking bit. You had to completely believe it to act like if it, as if it was so. But it was never, never so without your compliance. Without your compliance, it can't get away with murder. With your compliance, it murders you all day. You know, 
For me, I believe if you just hear the message, it can do it. And if it doesn't do it by just hearing it, hear it more often. Yeah? You all have ways of life. You don't need another way of life. I'm quite happy with AA. It's a perfect way of life. I'm not looking for another path to illumination, but this illuminates whatever path you're on. This knowledge is certainty, and it's inherently available all times, right where you are, no matter what condition you think you're in. This is the unconditioned state behind it all. Why not let that come in a little bit? Let it become an influence here. The solution to this place that we call in will never be found in it. It's from some ofness different. And you're the bringer of the ofness here. Like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. There's a quality that you are inherently that's not of this place. It's not of time. It's not of process. It's not of conditions. It's not of volatility. It's not of angst. It's none of that. It is completely complete, not in any kind of process to complete. It's not dictated by time because it's not a process. It doesn't need anything to appear. It's always so. You can't recognize it because it's never left. Yeah? It's like if, when if I was a kid and someone put a hand on my shoulder at the day I was born and it never left. That hand would have a huge influence on my life, yeah? And let's say I would, people would say, why is that shoulder down, you know? That's like a foot down more than this. And I'd have to get longer sleeves for this arm than this arm, get a lot of tailored shirts and everything. A lot of investment would go to, you know? And I'd have tons of stories why my shoulder was down. But they're all just fucking, you know, it's a speculation. I have no freaking idea. But what would happen is if it was lifted, I would know its presence by its absence. I would finally realize, hey, that was like about a two-pound hand on my, arm, my, my shoulder my whole life. Well, how did I finally know it? When it lifted. You'll know the bondage of self when there's freedom from it. You'll know exactly what's causing the heaviness when you're free from it. You can never know the problem from the problem. You know the problem from the solution. And you and I are the solution. When you see the problem, I saw it clearly as an activity. It's nothing more or less than that. It's an activity that, if believed, can produce a big effect. And it's an activity, not believed, it cannot produce a big effect. And somehow or somewhere, sometime, it's going to finally lead that you're the biggest player in the whole event. Because if I believe it, so it is. If I don't believe it, so it ain't. Now, I'll tell you, it would seem more valuable here if it was just an experience, because you could get really excited about it. But I'll tell you, the real piece is the stability. You know what I mean? No more whistles and bells. You're just incessantly on. You're awake to being awake. It's like dog shit, ordinary awareness. But it's the greatest gift of all. It leavens all the fucking recipes your mental state's trying to cook up. <laughs> it takes the biggest ingredient out of all of them. My. <laughs> the knees hurt. That's okay. I can live with that. My knee. What? <laughs> My knee. I can't surf anymore. And then the head will... This is how the head works. Let's say 
hurt my knee, let's say, January 2nd, two years ago. So then the head will start, when it goes over the knee, you'll go, you know, I was having such a fucking great time right up to January 2nd, around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and it sucked ever since, <laughs> which isn't true, but it will run a really nice story. What does it do? To increase the importance of the knee being injured, yes? So why? Why does it do all this? It catches a pale reflection of itself. The more it can get you involved in its makings, it's like you, you, your light becomes a mirror for it to see itself. I am so everything. You know what I mean? Like, like no one else has had a problem with the knee. No other surfer I ever known can't surf now. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's I'm the only one suffering this incredible plight. You know, it's all obsession with self. It's an addiction. It's a disease. It's a disease of me that produces a sense of me. Yet you're the I, and the I stands alone. So here, everyone in this room sees me very clearly. Every time they describe me, they would say you. Yeah? When they see me, they see a you. Just like when I see all of you, I see a you. Yeah? But the same events happening in every one of these seats. I could have 800,000 people here silently proclaiming I'm a you, and I would go, hey, I beg to differ. It's me. It's me. A special you that's been crowned, and uh, and some incredible powers have been attributed to this me. <laughs> and yet the coronation's happening in every chair. That's all. We have an unruly kingdom. There's too many kings and queens. No one's doing what I want them to do. <laughs> if if I was happy, you'd all be happy, obviously, because I was happy. You know this kind. Why don't they get it? Because. They stubbornly keep seeing me as a you. Yeah. This is the obsession with self. An attributes of what you're not get claimed, and now they become attributed to the body. So now you think you're seeing, you believe you're thinking, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable that we can make that leap. We can't even get, we can't even get away with claiming we're the digester of the food. It's obvious, yeah? We're not the beater of the heart, are we? Or we would never have made one second here. We would have been distracted and died. <laughs> you know? Mostly this whole thing about living, some power that knew more than we did gave us absolutely no power over it. The only faculty or process of the body that's half voluntary is breath. Everything else is totally involuntary. Yet, we'll definitely not try to uh, attribute us as the doer of the digestion, but we believe we're thinking a much more subtle process of the brain-body thoughts. You know? We believe, I am the thinker of the thoughts. What an insane thing. <coughs> I am the thinker is a thought. We fall for that one thought. That thought presents itself as claiming all the other thoughts, and then you live in a mental state, a pure interpretation of a living event. And that's why it starts feeling empty. That's why we start looking to act out. That's why all this behavior starts getting promoted. That's the bad tradition it lives in. We're in a premeditated, agitated state. We want fucking something. And we believe something's going to make it okay. And when it doesn't, we think more will. And when that doesn't, we get really fucking pissed. 
and then usually arrested. <laughs> and then over and over again. <laughs> and does it stop there? No. The seeking got a life of its own because it's feeding off of you. It feeds off you like a parasite feeds off the host. It believes agitation could beget, with through agitation, peace. When has you ever stopped? I never reached a point where I had enough cocaine. I never said, thank you, Senorita Cocaino, goddess of cocaine. I put down my needles. I am satiated. Thank you. The job is over. Others come. Take my coke. Take it all. I don't need it now. I'm fine. I'm totally fulfilled. Never. Addictions beget more craving. Yeah? The more you do, the more you crave. I remember I shoot good coke. Maybe the first shot I enjoyed for ten minutes. The next shot was eight minutes. Next shot, five minutes. Next shot, three minutes. Then just shooting, 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 shooting. Nothing ever ends. Because you cannot fulfill an imaginary whole. You are not damaged. People call it the God hole and you're busily trying to fill it. It's a portal. The spirit comes out in that emptiness. You don't have to build stairs for it. It can easily come out in your life. You're it. You're the threshold. You don't have to beckon it and, and lead. It's not like fucking King Kong with the, you know, the sacrifice of uh, what's-her-name. You don't have to top, come, come, old great one out. It wants to come out. It wants to express. You know what I mean? Stop filling the shit up. Leave it alone. Do nothing and see what happens. So in this chapter, I need do nothing. That's what it says. You know, you do all this stuff. Hey, because the mind, big M mind intends it, you will go free because you inherently are. But it's going to take you a long amount of time. Let's save yourself some time. Why don't you start at I need do nothing? To me, nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Nothing is everything. It's amazing. We're so been so. How much something have you had? I've had so many somethings. And they've all added up to nothing. So this has been very freeing to me. And I mean exactly that, freeing. I don't have it uh, enshrined as an event. It's not, not been nuded. It's not been put in time as a, as a pointer or an indication of some great shift. It's an everlasting verbing going on. Yeah? It's like every time, let's say you, you stick a little glass in the river and you feel like you've captured the river, but the rivering isn't there. You've got water, but it's not moving. Yeah? You've got the spirit as a concept, but it's not living. You understand and know, but it's not a sense felt something. Yeah? Throw the water back in, and it will be rivering again. If everything appears as a verb, there's not much argument with it. It's only when the nouns are put in place, then you can take fucking uh, offense. That's what that shit's happening to me. Why not them? Yeah. But if there's no you or them, it's just happening. You can travel lighter with it. It's like one person said I really loved about the fourth step in AA. 
you know, you do the fourth step of AA, the inventory process, and a lot of people hope that everything's going to great, be great, but really its thing is to, to, to allow you to accept things as they are. That's the real gift, is you can fit yourself around things instead of trying to change them to fit around you all day. Yeah? You can sort of go with the flow. If you are the flow, it's easy to go with the flow. If you're stationary, you're going you're gonna to have opinions about it. It's not flowing quick enough. It's not going my way. All this. Yeah. So this is what I love about these meetings because it's repeating. Just produce, just the same, same. Like people come after years of seeing me and they go, well, is anything changed? No. <laughs> What's, what are you going to talk about now? Same thing. Have you added any practices? No. How many retreats? None. <laughs> intensives? No. No need for intensives. No need for retreats. No need for nothing. No excess, you know. You can't pump up the spiritual ions, you know. No, just a simple invitation. When the mind gets familiar and when the aha comes up and isn't crowded out by the thought, it will start dawning on you. That seed I have total faith in it will germinate and it will express itself through you. And as a consequence, you'll have a long expanse of traveling lighter. Yeah. Won't change the geography of the action figure life, but you'll travel lighter, whatever life has in store for you. You know, cancer, no cancer, injuries, no injuries, divorces, no divorces, health, no health. You'll travel lighter through it all. And you'll never know what you're missing because you'll be missing it. See, we think because we got sober, everything changed. And in a sense, it did, because we changed. So, although, you know, it's funny, we always have those realizations, you know, all these people were assholes, they suddenly, they're not assholes anymore. They were never assholes, you just saw them a certain way, exactly. Why, when I was in one condition, like for me, as soon as I drank, I had magnetic appeal to people in uniform. As soon as I drank or used, I was arrested. I haven't been arrested in 27 years. And it's not because I've been, uh, you know, you know, curious, uh, vigilant. I just, <laughs> I'm not doing arre- anything arrestable. But as soon as I used to drink, I'd be arrested. Like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'd be sitting on a river with this huge fields, and me and my friends were doing some, we had just shot some heroin and we were drinking, and then suddenly three cop cars, like 11 in the morning on a Sunday, come barreling down and we're popped. I go, how the hell did this happen? We're just in a big field. Where did the cops come from? And then people realized it's you, Paul, so everyone was staying clear of me, because they would always get arrested with me. I was the one constant. <laughs> so I couldn't even go to my friends' houses. Their mothers would be, it's Paul in the car. You have to talk to me. Paul, my son gets arrested when he goes out with Paul. <laughs> what happened? Did that magnetism just stop? In a sense, yes. Planet Paul shifted. <laughs> now it attracts something other than arrests and policemen. Yeah? It attracts really incredible, incredible uh, adventures with no thought effort on my part. Just change this, everything changes. Try to change everything, it may not change this. See that you're the horse before the cart. 
You change, everything changes. Seriously. And the change can happen, not precipitated by you. Just see what you're not. If you hear this and you can recognize, hey, maybe I'm not that which I've been taking myself to be. Maybe I'm not just a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Maybe I'm not a body. Maybe I'm not just a body that thinks. Maybe there's something else going on that I haven't been privy to, but may be right underneath my big nose. Yeah? And then what happens? If you get curious, you'll easily, easily find what's always there. You'll easily... It's not been hiding at all. It's right out in the damn open. It's like they say, it's the open secret. How could it be a secret if it's open? Exactly. It's not a secret. There's no secret handshakes. You are what you're looking for. Is it so unbearable to entertain? I find great belief in that. So that arrival doesn't need to be delayed one more second. You don't have to have so much hope in that movie you're going to tonight. You know? You won't put so much dependence on that person to be all that you want them to be because they're not capable of doing that. What you're looking for is what you are, not them. You can enjoy a lot with people, but don't expect them to fill that hole. They'll have to fail. There are no saviors here. Saviors will serve us by failing because we don't need to be saved. We, in a sense, have never been bound. We can just feel like we're bound. It can seemingly be true, but it's never true. The seemingly is a beautiful word in the English language. It describes everything here. It appears to be true or false to you. Just like in recovery, it says in the foreword, we are 100 men and women who have, seen, who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So is it a hopeless state or not? It's seemingly. If you're in one condition, it's a hopeless state of mind and body. If you get into recovery, it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And you can recover, yeah? What, what's the difference? What, what issues the recovery? You. If you believed you were in a hopeless state of mind and body, then every fucking shot I ever did had validity. Yeah? Who wouldn't want to get high if it was hopeless? But a seemingly hopeless opens up a new possibility. Yeah? So when the beast turns on you and you can't seem to get any relief from it, if you see it as not being truly so, then the possibility of being free from it becomes available. And especially when you see it's not you, then you can walk away. See, most of us have been trying to become free as that which we're not. We want it to come along, but they can't come along with us. You know, there's an old story I used to tell of knocking on heaven's door. Keisha, this is for you. An old story. I don't know if I've used it in years. Knocking on heaven's door. So here's, uh, let's say, I have a spiritual inclination and I work really hard and I meditate a lot and I have a lot of epiphanies and, and I decide, all right, I'm ready to go into heaven, you know. I feel like I have a good resume. Mm-hmm. Present it to God. So I go to heaven's door and knock on it. 
And then the door opens up immediately, which throws me off a little bit. Where, you know, God was right there. You know, how fast he just heard it. He was right there. Jesus, where were you? What is? I thought you were in a big kingdom. Why did you get there so fast? <coughs> so then he, I go, can I come? I go, can I come in? And so I'm ready. You know, I got my very, not too many bags because you know I'm spiritual. Dropped all attachments. <laughs> not clinging to anything. And I go, can I come in? And he goes, and he looks right at me. He says, Paul can't come in. So I sort of get a little upset. So I go away and I say, well, i got to practice more. So I practice more and I get, I get my spiritual awakenings notarized by lamas and other fucking... All right, you see, he said I was awake, you know, from proving. So I go there, present my case. I, I'm confident this time I'm going to get in. Hit the door and then the door opens up me. That throws me way off. Like, what the hell? I say, can I come in? And he says, uh, Paul can't come in. So then I get pissed this time. I say, fuck this, and I fucking get loaded and start fucking around, fornicating and everything. And then I get caught up in the river of, of Maya or whatever, and I get washed up on the shore, and right near the door, heaven's door. And during when I'm getting out of the water, my mind cracks open, and I walk up and I knock on the door, and then the door swings open, and there's God. I go, God, can I come in? And he says, Paul can't, can't come in, and I walk right by because I realized I wasn't Paul. He was never saying, I can't come in. He was just saying what was the truth. Paul, Steve, Mary, Jim, Joe, all those identifications with, not, with what you're not can never enter the kingdom of heaven. I wasn't being exiled at all. As soon as I realized I wasn't Paul, the invitation had always been open. I finally got that and I walked right in. This is what's going on. You are not that which you take yourself to be. You are not that which is being assumed in the mental state, inferred, implied. You are not that which is being pointed to all day by the narrator in the head. I don't know what you are, I don't even care, but I know what you're not, and you're not that. Yeah? You're not that phantom. You don't have to live for it. You don't have to protect it. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to excuse it. You don't have to rationalize it. Just reveal it. Let it come into the light, and you'll see it's not you, because you'll see it. You'll see that it's just empty. There's nothing there. There's just pointing, 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 and there's nothing to be pointed at. You're free from all your trespasses. You can get on with living if you like, or not. Who cares? <laughs> Any questions? Well, we're going to be paid for a lot more time, so I'm going to go over something else. So. <laughs> I'm a performer. This is a lovely thing. I love this, especially with relation to recovery. It talks about surrender and self-inquiry, so to speak. So I'll start here. This is another great master and a, a follower of his describing some talks and points that he used to constantly put out. So it says here, simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization will be revealed. It's very similar to what he said before. Yeah, He goes over the same, same all the time. Because if you don't get this, 
all the rest of the getting isn't going to work. Yeah? So, simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization will be revealed. But anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own existence. Just another way of saying the same thing. If one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, then there is no solution to the problem. There is no solution because the whole problem stems from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. In other words, the same step is overlooked and then we trip over it every step of the way. This step's overlooked and then we end up tripping over it every step of the way. goes on and on and on. I remember I did so much stuff for years. After I got sober, I went back to what had worked when I was younger. When I was younger, I was with a guru when I was 19 to about 23. And it was amazing because those 19 to 24, those five years, I didn't drink or use. I had a couple of Heinekens in five years. Wanting to know God was sufficient to keep me sober. Then I got disappointed in all that. And then I crossed a line where no human power was going to help me. Yeah? I was lost after that. Do you know what I mean? And it went on. And, and I, when I got back to, and got sober again, I tried to go back to once, what stuff that had once worked. It had been so long. I went back to doing Tai Chi and meditating. And then I got more involved and went to India and Thailand on retreats and saw masters and meditated 14 hours a day and did this thing and of course like we all are extremely went extremely into it all the while this certain formula of the mental interpretation was overriding everything I did because everything I did was just emphasizing the doer of it so what I thought was helping me to get out was reinforcing the idea of being in and it was totally unseen by me until I came to a meeting such as this and someone offered me this point of view and said, instead of asking or finding another meditation technique, as I had done many, it says, why not ask who's the meditator? Look at who it is that feels like they need to meditate so much. <coughs> it's the same who it is that felt like they needed to shoot coke so much. So then this thing dawned on me, and in hindsight, when I was introduced to these people and these writings, it totally made sense, just like when you read the big book of AA, it told, you totally identify with all its descriptions of an alcoholic, because there was alcoholism. You were very intimately familiar with it, even though it was written about in 1935, it was like the person had just seen you the last week, because he had you pegged perfectly, because you're not, an, you're, it's alcoholism, it's not you. Yeah? So, he, this is so, to me, so beautiful, because when I read this, it explained all these years of doing all this stuff, and how... I would be in a retreat for a month and on the way back to the village you'd start losing it, it would seem. The sense of the peace would start being overwhelmed by the noise and the yatter and the crowning and, the, and it would be like, Jesus Christ. 
four weeks, a couple hours of relief. <laughs> What's wrong with this deal? And so the idea is more will work better. So sign up for the three-month retreat. And maybe you'll get a day or two or a week. But it's like a way, it's imbalance, a whole lot of work for something that seems very fleeting. Yeah. So, yes, here we go. So the first, where is this? Oh, yeah. I've got to go back to where I was reading. All right, so three. So here he starts talking about surrender. He says the first path along, but the first path along the path to true surrender is not to throw oneself at someone's feet and say I surrender. It is the cultivation of the awareness and the understanding that there is no individual self to surrender. That's surrendered. See, you surrender the idea of a self that's going to surrender, take back, surrender, take back. And then something happens, and then surrender stabilizes. And now it's surrendered. Now it's not glorious, and you can't have a lot of conversations with people about it, but it's a whole lot better than going through those dramas of forgetting and taking it back and then getting whacked. And then, because some people never get to the point of surrender again, they get caught in that web and they never come back. So, and that this individual self never at any time had, has, or will have any real existence. When Ramana, the great master, said on several occasions, who is to surrender what and to whom, which is so beautiful, he was trying to drive home this fundamental point that without this understanding that there is no individual self, then all spiritual practices are done under false pretenses. And that meditation, surrender, or self-inquiry done without the constant awareness are merely exercises in self-deception. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Practice. If this hits you and fits, maybe there's something you should look at. Maybe see. The best illustration of this point that I have come across appears in a... It goes on and on. So this is a good one. So a, a, a devotee of his comes up to him and says... In a devotee, he remarked to Ramana that a certain fellow devotee must be well advanced on the spiritual path because he meditated for eight to ten hours every day. Oh, replied Ramana, he meditates, he eats, he sleeps. But who is meditating, eating, sleeping? And what advantage is there in meditating ten hours a day if in the end that only has the result of establishing you a little more deeply? in the conviction that it is you who, is, who are meditating. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me. In India or in Thailand. That's exactly what's going on. I lost 20 pounds in three weeks, 14 hours a day. and <laughs> The story I was getting out of self, I left with a much bigger, brighter, much slimier self, a spiritual one. <laughs> it's like an eel, very difficult to get a hold of. <laughs> I couldn't believe it after all those years. <laughs> when this was, it was like someone came in and pulled the rug out from underneath me. What? 
That was the last identity he had. I'm a good meditator. <laughs> what am I going to do with all this free time? <laughs> if I'm not tr- busy getting better, what am I going to do? <laughs> so this aspect of Ramana's teachings that one is already realized. Uh, what a lovely gift, eh? What one is that one is already realized here and now is widely ignored <laughs> when it comes to practice, but its importance cannot be overstated. Ramana has said the removal of ignorance is the aim of practice and not acquisition of realization. Yeah. So, like for me, my experience of AA is the 12 steps diminish the mental condition. They don't produce a spiritual condition. That's unproducible. But they diminish a mental condition. That's over, It's sort of like the skyscrapers I'm constantly paying attention to are blacking out the sunset, so to speak. Yeah, The mental condition is too overdeveloped and it's eclipsing or blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. But I am that sunlight of the spirit. Yeah. So the mental state got diminished, and then that which was became obvious. That's what had happened. You had a spiritual awakening. You woke up to spirit. You didn't work up with spirit. Oh, what did I? How did I meet spirit last night? You know, but because that spirit's going to leave usually before you get up. <laughs> but you you had a spiritual awakening. <laughs> so. The most fundamental piece of ignorance, and here he goes again. I'm sorry to hit the same head now, because why build a house unless you don't get this first piece in, right? It's like Jesus said, you know, don't build your house on sand, so to speak. Yeah? An erroneous view is like sand. It doesn't matter if you have plans for a huge mansion and you've got all the construction material and the best builders, it's not going to stand long, because you're building it on sand. Well, you will you will be the constant reminder of it, <laughs> the sense of so being. Well, uh, who, is, who is suffering here? Is no one. You just relax. Yeah. And you feel good. <coughs> yes. And then you don't have that suffering anymore. No. And something happen, again happens, something, and it's like, oh, oh my God. And then you say, wait a second, who's suffering here? Oh, nobody. And it's yeah. released. So you just keep doing that. Well, it's not going to stay like that because you'll rest more and more yeah, in yeah. the state, in the being, and you won't have to do anything because you'll see the presentation of a, of, a, of a life story based on you, but you won't be buying the subscription. You won't even start paging through it. It's just fucking boring. You just leave it on the porch <laughs> as if you were never home. You never pick it up. You don't even have to ignore it. It's just, they're just seen as small things. Yeah, but these big things sometimes still... And they're seen as small things. The big things are seen as small things. Then the biggest thing of all is what's seen. And there's nothing bigger than that. That's why we say mountains into mole... What is it? Molehills into mountains. That's what the mental state does. It makes shit up. It adds weight to things and degrees and height. It's not going to stop doing that, but why, you don't have to be so wedded to it. When you attach yourself, you just make it so big and 
it hurt so much, and then you even more but make make it even more. <laughs> just lost in the suffering. That's right. That's why it's a possibility. Seemingly, each moment in the one moment, it's either or. You know, if you're interested in that, you're going to take yourself to be a body. If you're not interested in it, you'll be freed from that feeling. Like the Course has a... You know the Course of Miracles? I talk about it a lot. I really like the Course. I really like it. It had a lot of impacts on me. still does. And so, this is one statement that I feel explains everything as a what happens to all of us here every day, which is, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. I don't like the word dream, a noun, so I like to say the dreaming. You and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming. This is the important part. And in that state, we give everything we dreamt the power to affect us. <coughs> so you and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that. How do we forget that? Well, how it was shown to me is the mental state remembering you're a self all day is how you forget that you're the dreaming. The body is a dreamt object. The body is not dreaming. The body is dreamt. You're seeing it. Yeah? Like a great Zen master said, Hoang Po, one of my favorite. If you ever want to read a book, get the, uh, the Teachings of Hoang Po by John Blofeld. I think you can get it for free now on, on uh, Amazon. Very interesting. It's one of my favorite because one of his followers was a, a scribe for the emperor's court. And he'd go to these talks, and he'd write about it that night, not like 400 years later. So he got close to the horse's mouth. So this master said, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. See? So I can perceive these bodies, and from where you are, subjectivity can perceive this body. So whatever can be perceived cannot be what's perceiving. So because the eyes facilitate seeing, the eye is not seeing. If I died and nothing happened here, they could probably transplant this eye into a living body and it would facilitate seeing, but it's never going to facilitate seeing in that dead body. Yeah? There's something that's needed for this to be enlivened, and it's not the body. Yeah? The body gets enlivened, but the body isn't enlivening. Yeah? So whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. So here, you and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming, and I believe we forget that we're dreaming by remembering we're a self, which is what the mental state does. Every thought you ever have implies that you're a body. How the thought system pictures you is as a body. When it says you or me, it's, it's inferring a body. Every freaking time. Even when you try to think of yourself as spirit, it's referenced as a body. Because the thought system, that's its center. Self-centeredness. Yeah? It's centered on the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So when we're following all of that, we're remembering self. And in the remembering of self, we seemingly forget that we're dreaming. Yeah? And in this condition of forgetting that, we give everything we're dreaming... <coughs> thoughts, feelings, all that, the power to affect us. Isn't that the case? Thoughts can drive you crazy. How can they drive you crazy? And then another second, they don't drive you crazy. 
and then another second they didn't drive you crazy. How can that be? If the thought could drive you crazy, it would drive you crazy every time there was a thought. But the thought doesn't drive us crazy. The thought is used to drive us crazy. It's used. Yeah? It's used, used, used. So when the dreaming forgets it's the dreaming, then it sees life from the dreamt, and in this condition, it gives everything it's dreaming the power to affect this as the dreamt. So you could break my heart. Yes? Yes, things like that happen. I need something completely from you that I don't have. Yeah? I knew a guy I spent a lot of time with, I love in Australia. He had a beautiful girlfriend. And I'd be there a number of times visiting. And so I'd watch his relationship. And he was really practicing benign neglect, so to speak. He wasn't really paying much attention to her. He was too engaged in other things. Then she decided to leave him. And that night I was in America. He called me and, and he was getting ready to kill himself. Because he says, the source of all my happiness has left me. I said, but weren't you around the source of all your happiness for a few years? Uh, you weren't getting much of that sourceness of it. But as ne- suddenly, it just seemed so coincidental that her suddenly being seen as the source of all his happiness appeared after she left him. You know what I mean? When she was there, she wasn't seen as the source of all his happiness. He was, she was bothering him. In a lot of ways, but suddenly she's so now she's un, unattainable. <laughs> you don't see it. This is what it does. When the dreamt is taken as the dreaming, yes, the dreamt is affected by everything else that's being dreamed. Yes, we try to get immunity, but as the dreamt and the dreamt object cannot get immunity from the dream. The immunity from the dream comes from the dreaming, us, not the dreamt. The dreamt is the depository of the effects of the dream. Yeah? Things are happening out of it and to it all freaking day. Yeah? The relief is not here. It's not in the in. It's from the of. And we are the of. We've got one foot in the in and we've got one foot in the of. And then a beautiful statement, of course, says, you know, you and I are the dreaming of the dream. We're going to dream ourselves out of this dream. And while we do, the dream's going to get happier. And that's been my experience over the last 15, 18 years. I'm going to pass away, obviously, as a body. The dream is going to be ended. And while it's getting ended, it's getting happier. I don't have to kill the dream or deny the dream. The mind is so unbelievable, it can use its dream to get itself out of the dream. And that's what it does here. What is this but just that? We're having satsang, and it's an activity of realizing the dream, and and it can go a long way into leading you out of the dream. Yeah? Which is great when you can be out of the dream and still seemingly appear as the dreamt. That's awakeness, really. And then you're used, just like it used to be used. You may be used by a whole new master. Yeah, maybe you'll bring joy and good tidings to people instead of fucking sexual transmitted diseases and what else, or fucking habits of drugs. It's amazing how different it can be. So it's a simple, simple thing that 
these people would pound away at it because there's no point to go into anywhere else. If this is not clear, no matter how clear you get, you're still unclear. So here we go. You mind we keep going on this? Everyone's for it? Good. The most fundamental piece of ignorance is that there exists an individual self who's going to do practices and that by doing practices the individual self will disappear or be merged in some super being. Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, which is so beautiful, right? Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, nowhere else does it appear, only on the mental level. Yeah? Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, it is not an exaggeration to say that one is wasting one's time in attempts to surrender or to inquire, who am I? Correct attitude and correct understanding of this matter are of preeminent importance if the application of Ramana's teachings is to be successful. That's why we never move from the introductory offer. Because without the introductory offer, there's no more, there's no line of products. Yeah? Because you are what you're truly looking for. My job, in a sense, is to become obsolete. Yeah. I'm more like a mailman, just inviting you to entertain some possibilities. And I have total faith that it can that things may be revealed because this is exactly how it happened with me. I heard this message. There's not much thought or effort around it. I just entertained it and downloads verified it and more downloads and more entertaining and the incessantness became the constant condition prior to all these conditions. And it's brought a leavening agent to this life, man. Shit's happened to this action figure quite a lot. My my old girlfriend at the time got cancer, colon cancer, and everyone say, "Oh, you're doing so great about it." All I did was nothing. Just held the space. That's all you are really is holding the space for everything to appear. People put all. The, I remember I used to hate to go to weddings with my family because I was a bad. I was the bad person, you know. I got arrested a lot when I was young and fucking. Yeah, so it made me uncomfortable because when I'd be in a wedding, it seemed like everyone could see a neon sign blinking on and off, junkie, junkie, junkie. <laughs> and it was very uncomfortable to put myself in that position. And so I never went. And then through recovery and stuff, I started going back to my family's, my nephews' and nieces' weddings of my mother and my, my brother and sister, her kids and his kids. And None of them ever saw me at all at the weddings. All they saw was their mother and father. I had nothing to do at the wedding. I just walked around. Oh, you look just like mom. And, oh, you look just like dad. And that's all I... They, there was no need for me there, me to be there at all. I was everything they wanted me to be. And it was totally cool. It was totally an empty event. And it was wonderful. Yeah? Just show up. Show up and see what happens. Yeah? Hold the space and see what occurs. You'll get a lot of different information about you and very contrary to the information you're holding now. Things will get inclusive. It's just wonderful, man. You'll need to know when you need to know. You'll have that thing, sense of when you were a kid. Remember when you were a kid? I wasn't in an abusive situation. 
So when I was a kid, I'd be playing, and there was no worrying, will I be playing next week? Because I didn't have next week yet in my head. I didn't have any idea of time. So, and so without that idea of time, I hadn't entertained the insane idea I could be out of a moment. So I wasn't looking how to get more. In the, I was never critiquing my playing. You know what I mean? I didn't stay up late at night. Did I make the most of this day playing? Or no, I was just playing, and I'd be absorbed in ants and everything like that. When I was walking around my house, I just wasn't thinking my room was too small or my mother's was ugly. You know, there was just love, love, and you know, just a lot of wonder and awe. And then I saw as the mental state developed. The frequency of those sensations started to become infrequent, you know. The wondering, I wasn't running in rooms and just bursting into situations. Every time I entered a room, I was accompanied with thought. There was thoughts about me entering a room. Who's going to be in the room? Are they going to like me? How do I look? On and on. And suddenly, this incredible weight was added, ad nauseum. And I never fucking lived again. It was all an interpretation. It was like not being able to shit and you can't get off the pot. You know what I mean? I want to love something. You know, a girl would say hello to me in school when I was 11 years old. I went home and wondered what she meant by it for five hours. What? Does she like me? Doesn't she like me? She fucking probably forget in a second. But every day was like that. It was these ponderous, ponderous events <laughs> concerning me that was, they made, there was nothing. But I couldn't, you know, you get, you can't even ask for what you want. It gets, you get so, like, disassembled. You can't even follow it like a strong feeling or just tell someone, hey, I like you. You just couldn't even, that's like a monumental thing. It's just that, it, then you're so just, then, you know, I had people die in my family when I was young. My grandmother lived with us and my father both died when I was nine. I remember I had a, was in public Catholic school and I had a Sister Marie Neal. And they liked to keep an eye on me, the nuns. So she had the desk and I was right in front of her at the desk, about three desks back though. And I remember I could see her and then I was, had to go through all these funerals and everything and it was really flipped out. And when I went there, I sat in the same seat. But when I looked at Sister Marie Neal, she looked like she was miles away. <laughs> I had retreated back into the head, and I was only taking the head's counsel. Man, it was unbelievable. I became totally isolated. To I had a thick shell of terminal uniqueness. And, you know, the idea was maybe nothing can come in, but nothing can come out. You're like a fucking the chocolate stuck in an M&M. You can't freaking get out and express yourself. And then, of course, I went into fucking... First it was fantasy, science fiction, everything like that. And then it was drugs. And then it was spirituality. Then it was drugs again. You know? Trying to get out of that which I could not bear. And all the while, I was never in it. That was the fucking joke. I was never in it. The here I was trying to get out of all the time was a mental here. It was constructed, full of yesterday and tomorrow, and all the guilt and shame for what I had done or didn't do. I would, it was unbearable to find me here, but the real here was the salvation. Nothing had really changed. I hadn't gone far away from it. Nothing. It was all made up. You know, huffing and puffing, huffing and puffing. And a cousin have the ability to blow down even a fucking paper mache house. <laughs> it was revealed, and it's, that's it, man. Fuck. 
Mostly in AA, the real relief we get is what's absent in our lives. That's why I go to meetings. You hear what it could be like, and you're so grateful it's not like that anymore. A lot of times, you don't know the joy that you really have because you don't know the relief you've gotten from what's missing in your life. By you changing, a lot of shit just doesn't happen anymore. Yet, if you drink again, it'll be on you in that an hour or two later. Isn't it? I've seen people's whole face change in like four hours. After 25 years, you can see the parasite changing their whole facial structure. They've been taken over again. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah? Yep. Um, thank you very much. Uh, I have a question to ask. Um, while I understand uh, separating myself from yourself. Um, Aren't you all jacked up now, though? <laughs> Whoa. Um, but what about when uh, beauty happens in your hmm? life? What about when beauty happens in your life? Beauty? Beauty. Amazing yeah, yeah. Love, You'll be whatever. able to express it. And then embrace it. Does it diminish the feeling now that you no. understand that? No, it doesn't. It actually amplifies everything. But you feel a whole lot more. You cannot believe how much stuff is getting weeded out when the self-centeredness is like the spigot or the sphincter. It's not that much in or out. When this laxative hits, you're gonna be you're gonna be feeling tons of things all the time. Thousands of experiences going on just in the body sensations. Seriously. Being on is being on. <laughs> you don't get gypped anymore. <laughs> you're gonna feel a lot of sensations and a lot of things. And when you feel love or sadness, sadness can be so rich. I can just put on a rendition of Ave Maria, which is a lovely like chant, a Christian chant, sung by beautiful female voices. I cry every time. It's just beautiful, super beautiful, rich, rich. Things get very, very textured and colorful. Yeah. That's how I feel like, yeah. The idea of being just being a body is ridiculous. You're just millions of moving parts going on. <laughs> Constantly. There's things eating food right underneath your eyebrow right now. <laughs> Seriously. You're more, I think, you're more bacteria than you are physical weight. And yet you have this sense of sovereignty. <laughs> this is a this is the commons. <laughs> You're like a public place. <laughs> this lady, we talked about the parasite. She was talking about the mice, the mice that are taken over. It's called a parasite called toxo is its nickname, and we have it in the brain too, humans. But this toxo. Of course, it can only reproduce in, in the intestines or the stomach of cats. So when it, when it takes over a mammal, such as a mouse or a rat, it has the mice and rats run right to the cats so that the cats will eat them. So the cat kills them, and then when they're digesting the thing, the toxo gets to, have to reproduce. See, you know, I had, you ever hear of candida? This is an old story I love to talk about. So candida is like a fungus. It actually means king in a sense. It's the king of the fungus. We all have it in you. And you, it's good to have a certain amount. But it also has... It, has a, it loves sugary, flowery stuff. 
and yet it can't drive to Entenmann's. You know, it can't go to the bakery to get it. It's severely limited because it has no feet or legs or a car, and it's located. It's located in here, so it jacks into the thought system, the brain, and it tells you you'd really love to have some fucking sweet cakes tonight. And of course, because we're self-centered, we'll make a big story if it goes on for years. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cake lover, and we get this whole identity. But it's the can, it's the candida. The can, it's fungus, and it's sending you out to the store. <laughs> it's true. It's when true. I first, when I first got sober, I had uh, once the doctor installed this candida. He says you have a, you have a still going on inside of you. He says you may have quit drinking, but your body's still manufacturing alcohol. Yeah. And that was what it was. It was the sugar. It was this. It was that. And whatever I needed to have that alcohol content still in my body. That's right. See, the thing is. You're being this idea of that you believe you have a like a a self-contained, intimately yours system. The, it's not. It's being jacked in all the time. Let's not even talk about non-organic entities. You know what I mean? Like mental winds blowing. Like you know, things that are heavy inside of you, you let them out. They have energy. Yeah. They work around, and people think, oh, no, see, once you get like you know, you do step four or five, and you do, then you do six and seven to have it taken away. But a lot of this stuff. It's got a certain amount of, you know, substance, yes. this energy that comes out of you, and it works around. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder why at night you've got demons jumping at you. Yeah. Or well, it's waiting for you to get close to someone else, and they jump on the other yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a parasitical. So the thought system, alcoholism can't be x-rayed, and self-centeredness can't be x-rayed. You can't get a picture of it. Is it right an inch below the liver? Because it's not or it's not organic, it's not an entity. And when they study parasites, they still study them as a thing. But there are non-thing parasites, and alcoholism is one of them. And so something takes you over. And while it takes you over, it has to convince you that they're your thoughts. See, to me, look at this as alcoholism. Let's say if anyone knows alcoholism or addiction, it's not a very benevolent takeover. It's a hostile takeover, yeah? So for a hostile takeover to be permitted, it has to have an incredible strategy. Or you would throw it off. If you recognized it wasn't you, you wouldn't put up with it for one second. So the parasite of alcoholism jacks into your head and convinces you that you're it. Now you start living for it. You'll defend it. You'll rationalize it. You'll spend tons of money to get therapy for it. And it's like the story of the lady saving the snake and then getting a little eyedropper and feeding it and getting a little sweater for it. And then for three days, it's, very, it's cuddling the snake and bringing it back to life. Then it's walking with it, and the snake bites it. And she goes, Mr. Snake, I can't believe you bit me. I've been so nice to you. And he, he says, I'm a snake. <laughs> a parasite is a parasite is a parasite. The parasitical tendencies are not going to be rehabilitated. They can be subdued by intensive supervision, which happened with me, but they're not going to be changed, right? You have to see them for what they are. They're not your qualities. If they're not yours, you can be free from them. If they're yours, you'll try to be free as them or with them. See what you're living for. It may not be you. you know? Maybe it's time for musical chairs and a new seat assignment. See where you land. 
Yeah. Who could imagine this is happening? I was shooting coke, you know, fucking running around like crazy. And somehow I've been used to share the good news. Who would have thunk? It's impossible. How could I get from there to here? Because I was never there, and in fact, I'm never here. That's how it can appear this way. Because I was never there. <laughs> That's the whole point. There is no existent self. Yeah? You are a living verb, verbing. There's no noun at all to be found in there. You are really, if you want to describe you the best, you're the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, and the touching. That's really what you are. And what that is cannot be seen, felt, taste, touched, or smelled. It's as simple as that. You are not a thing. You can't grab it, you can't have it, you can't experience it. But it, it is in every experience you're in. It's where you always are, and at any time, it's there. It's so reliable, you don't even notice it. Yeah? Yes? So all the five senses, All of this is nothing, and this is just an opportunity for us to uh, relate. Or well, who who cares about that for me? Well, let's just see. The senses, the gates of the senses, isn't what's going through them. It's not hearing. It's consciousness. Yes, when it goes through the ear, it hears. If it goes through the eyes, it sees. It doesn't change what it is. It just changes the experience it's having. Yeah? So there's there's not five different... There's five different gates or doors, but there's only one thing going in and out. Yeah? Consciousness, if you want to call it that. That's just a name. I don't know what... For me, it's like incessant onness, let's say. Yeah? An incessant onness. I followed... Let's say, I've taken... This was my favorite thing. I like sound. Yeah? Sound is, works very well for me. Frequencies of sound. So, I've had, I don't know what they call it, maybe it's tetanus. I have a ringing, I have, a, I have sounds all the time going on. I can hear inside, or what, not even inside. I'm just hearing. There's always an underlying bass sound that I always hear. If it's loud or quiet, it doesn't matter. It can be super loud, and if I just tune in, it's, I can hear it. And it's proven more constant than the breath. The breath goes up and down, but there's a little interruption, and it have, can have different flavor. It's more constant than anything else I've met here, ever, ever, this sound. It's always on at all times. Yeah? So, and I followed it back as far as you can. So there's the sound, and it seems like the first level, it's the first layer of all sound. 
is that sound that I always hear. When I hear anything else, that's there. Yeah? So I hear another sound, and maybe that's my attention, but underlying this sound never goes. So I take it back as far as it goes. What's hearing that sound? What's aware of the sound? If the sound is as constant as it seems it is, that which is aware of it is much more constant than that. Yeah? If that doesn't seem like it comes and goes, which it will when the body ends, that which is aware of it must have that quality and even more to be able to hear it all the time. Yeah? What is that? Is that which is hearing a sound? No. It's not a sound. It's you. Yeah? So if I take vision, all right, everything, everything out here, and then if you believe in degrees and distance, which is all made up, so let's take this. You bring this all the way here. Like they used to have a, a guy named Douglas Harding used to have these little uh, samples. So you go like this, just follow it, and then what happens? It disappears in a way. You just go into space, and the space is what's seen. You are not a thing. You are that which is hearing all sounds, but which cannot be heard. You are that which is seeing all things, but which cannot be seen. You are that which is feeling everything, but that which cannot be felt. Yeah? You are beyond touch, yet is facilitating all touch. This is what you are. The doctor will tell us that it's a brain. Yeah, that's when what they tell him. The doctor will tell you to take a pill also. Exactly, exactly. Who is that? Yeah, just follow it back. Let's see, like with science, yeah? They try to know everything, but they're never gonna know what's knowing. They can never take themselves out of every equation that they're doing. It's, it's, it's like a fail-safe mechanism in the whole thing. Yeah? All the knowing in the freaking world can't be turned on to what's knowing. <laughs> what's knowing can't be known. That's why it's knowing all the time. Because it cannot be known. It's not a thing. We're not a thing. We're not of this place. We're in this place, but we're not of this place. This is in this place. This is seen. This is felt. This can be tasted and touched. Yeah? This, 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 this. But what's seeing, what's hearing, what's feeling cannot be. That's the difference between spirit and body, subject and object. Subjectivity is pure subjectivity. It cannot be objectified. An object cannot be subjectified. We've attempted to do it all these years. We believe we're seeing, feeling, tasting, and touching. How's it worked? <laughs> Not well. We've gotten guilty for all what we've seen and felt and tasted and touched. The thing has blew up in our face. You have it, it has you. You think you're the thinker, then the thoughts have you. You think you're the feeler, then feelings have you. You think you have the problem, the problem has you. Yeah, I, need, I saw a hand there. Is, is that sort of like, I, 
dualism, like the dualistic. Yes, dualism. Thought. Like, you know, like here we're taught like this it's a dualistic way of thinking. Whereas the Eastern way, I guess Buddhism and stuff like that sort of goes the other way. But their basic thing is still the same, self-centeredness. They have a different, definitely, quote-unquote, an easier way in some sense. But bring them over here and look at what happens. Well, it's like, like what's-his-face from Shambhala? He wanted to take on the the mantle of Western man, so he became an alcoholic, right? And he thought he was in charge of it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yes. See... You can bring, everything can be cool if you can control all conditions. I mean, you'd have to go on a 20-year retreat to be really okay, you know? And there'd be people working there making ultimate, beautiful, vegan meals all day and tantric massages and everything. Then maybe you'd be pretty chilled. But who's got the time to be in a retreat for 30 years? And it's going to cost you probably a huge amount, yeah? We're trying to get peaceful by an agitated state. Selfing is agitation. Selfing is agitation. Selfing's main drive is a desire to become and, in a very twisted time way, a desire to unbecome. It believes it's something it doesn't want to be, so has a strong desire not to be that which it isn't anyway, and then it has a strong desire to become what it isn't. So it wants to become and unbecome. And it's like a slinky. Desire to become, unbecome. And so it generates itself. Agitated upon agitated upon agitated. And if you don't believe you are, look at all the seeking that you're involved in. Seeking, seeking, seeking. What are you looking for seeking from? Relief from that which is seeking. But if you're identified as it, there's no relief. Because you're looking... You're trying to get relief for it instead of from it. You're not that. The mental state is agitated. You don't have to wed yourself to that. There's other modalities that don't have self as a center. I'm telling you. There are aspects of mind that have no idea of self. And when they download, they have no idea of self when they download. The download's immediate and it's very, very impressive with no time whatsoever passing. But you can, like, you can have experiences where you are there. Like, you know, you're, like, you, you may be able to be awake all the time. I, I'm not awake a lot of the time. But there's, like, th- those moments where I know that something's happened. And it, it and that, that's what keeps me... <laughs> I guess that's, that's the problem. It happens, yes. and it do, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it happens. And when you're in it, you're, it, all makes, it all makes sense. Like, it's all, it all, it's all, it's all clear. And then, you, then your, your ego, everything comes back in, solidifies, and then all of a sudden, you, you, then it's you remembering what I was kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like you know, I'm talking about I, but I was there for a while. Yes. And then, then, I, then now it's me talking about I. Yes. And, and so I had enough of those moments that I, that's like, you know, but it's like, you know, getting from here to there. Like, I know it's, you know, it's like, it's like I feel like I, you know, you can get there like that, but then, and then I spend all my other time doing the hard way. See you, John. The thing is, though, what believes that's happening isn't you. See that movement that you're following like a ball? It's not not you. This is a, a thing that always happens. I've been involved in these talks for quite a while. 
So one of the recurring things I hear is, I was I had an awakening experience, but I lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this feeling, and it's valid. The feeling is that I had an awakening experience. That's not valid because no one's had an awakening experience. That's not an experience. Yeah. But you have this thing, but you have to see, as soon as there's a feeling of having, there is the opportunity to lose. Yeah? They can't go one without the other. So if there's a feeling you had something, the same head can produce a feeling you lost something. That's what occurs. Now, what happens is you get weaned off of that feeling of wanting to have it, and then you're weaned off of the feeling of losing it. And then you don't move, you just see it moving. And you see it, oh, it got it, it lost it. It got it, it lost it. There it comes, ooh, there it goes. <laughs> and yet, what's there, seeing it all, is unwavering. Yes, it's never moved one bit, ever. 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 <laughs> it doesn't go, it just goes, your mental state goes, it's like a windshield wiper. <laughs> but you're the driver looking straight ahead. Yes? Yeah. yeah. I've seen it. I've seen, ev- you know, I've heard everything in this seat assignment. <laughs> this man explained it beautifully, Raman Ohashi. He says, this is what happens a lot. Here we are. You start realizing everything's unreal, let's say, okay? Which is a nice realization. Everything's unreal. And, it, and you feel like you're sitting in an auditorium watching a movie. Yeah? And you're very clear that it's all unreal. But there's a subtle feeling that you're real seeing it. And he says, no, 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 no. The dream's bigger than you think. It, enca- it, en- it encases you sitting in the auditorium thinking you're seeing everything is unreal. That's also unreal. So wherever content appears... Content, this is a piece of content, is in content. It's never not been in content. This happened with me when I first came. I heard a speech like this, and I shared. I said, I let's, and I said, you know, I came in here, and I was watching emotional and physical and mental conditions arise, states, and I thought I was seeing them. But now, after just listening to you, I realized that was a mental state, saying it was seeing the other mental states. And so the lens went like this and went, oh, the aperture opened up. And when aperture opens, it's like this. It's not like this. It's not like a realization you have, you know? Oh, I'm seeing unbelievable clearly. It's like this. And you get to be seen. You get to be seen. You in the theater thinking everything's unreal, you get to be seen doing that. Yeah? And then, okay, things go on, and suddenly you think, oh, now I'm seeing this huge, almost like a surround uh, screen on reality. And then suddenly, oops, like the, uh, the aperture opens up even more, and then you're caught again in the auditorium. And if I went through like seven of those events, and then I got the principle. I realized the mental state's always going to try to plant a flag and call this context, and it's always content. It's the seeing that's context. Once the seeing is claimed and the flag goes down and there's a subtle sense of being the seer, that's content, not context. Yeah? You're never going to get it. Never. Never. 
Once you get it, you're back in the auditorium thinking you're seeing the movie is unreal. Seemingly. You're not because you've never been in the auditorium, but you will feel that, yeah? Then the aperture hopefully will open up more and you will always, this is always going to be before the camera. This is never, it assumes it's behind the camera. It's never fucking seen anything. It's, this is being seen, yeah? So here it goes, and it, when, it, when, it, when it arises, it says, oh, I'm the one that's seeing. No, 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 no. You're not there. You get that, and you know what? You'll save yourself a lot of freaking time of this. I had an awakening. I lost the awakening. I'm trying to regain the awakening. I'm trying to retrace my steps to get it back. All of this is absurd. You've never left where you are, ever. There's just a seemingly so. It's a trick. There is no illusion other than what you believe to be. That's it. You're the maker of this whole place. You're the only reality there is. When something seems really real, it's because reality believes it's real. That's the only way it has any impact because everything here is defined by seemingly so. There's only one reality and we, that, we are that. Like it or not, you are that. Yeah? We want to throw our reality off onto things because we're in love as a thing, but it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't change one thing at all. Yeah? Huffing and puffing, fucking man. You can believe so much that it isn't so, and still that's not it. You are never what's fucking appearing in front of the camera. You are behind the camera, untouched by whatever is happening on the screen. You are the screen, basically. You ever see a movie? Do you ever clap for the screen? <laughs> Without us, there's nothing going on. We're all there is. Like it or not, all le- all roads lead to Rome. All of them. If you follow any sense, any sense back, where does it land? It doesn't stop at the body. It goes through the body into infinity. What are you? Do you believe you have a closed skull? Really? Do you believe you're behind the cheekbone? When they used to say the kingdom of heaven is within you, I thought it's a pretty skinny kingdom. There's no parking. How many cars can you get in here? No, the kingdom of heaven is in you being you that you are, not you that you're not. The kingdom of heaven isn't in a body. It's in you. You're not a body. Everything is in you. The kingdom of heaven, the seeming kingdom of hell, all of it's in you. Nothing escapes you. You're everything, as what we are. And you don't get there by dreaming about being that. Just see what you're not, and you'll find out that that's where you are. You can't go there from here. You see that this is a false here, and then you're there. This wants to set you off on a course to find what you already are. You check this out, really look into it and see, hey, this may not be me, and then you've arrived already. Yes, I'm getting too high.
<laughs> Jesus, guys, I can't take anymore. It's like being electrocuted. Uh, yes, go ahead. Um, when you started this, uh, you know, retraining, uh, reprogramming, um, what steps did you take to help you remember as a, as a new student, for example? Oh, when I first, well, I don't want to go too much. I like the who am I a lot, asking a subjective question. So the way I see it, let's say you're worrying about next week. There's worrying about next week, yeah? The who am I is beautiful because there's no opinion on the worrying about next week. You don't even look at that. You just ask, who is it that's worrying about next week? Yeah, just ask. See who it is because if... There seems to be something important that's being worried about next week, but it's really the importance that's being given to it. There's no importance in this next week at all, other than what it has applies to you, really, <laughs> tell you the truth. So you ask, who is it? And then when the head says, it's me, then you okay, who's this me? And just ask questions, very, it's no effort, and then see what happens, you know? See what shows up. And then when... It, you get familiar with that state, just rest there, and then when the head gets ornery and it seems to be agitated, you can ask it, well, who's agitated, you know? Who is it that's busily moving around today looking for its own head, so to speak? Just ask who it is. It's not like an indictment or a judgment. You're just asking it very relaxed. Hey, who is it? It'll usually say it's me, and then you ask a further question, who is that me? And from where do you come? from. Let's see where you are. Where do you arrive from and who are you? And see what happens. You'll be pretty, I'm pretty sure you'll be very pleasantly surprised. Because beckon as you will, nothing shows up. (laughs) 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 Call it, call it, call it. See, see. It's assumed, isn't it? It's implied. All day, let's see Let's see if that's the starting point. Let's see if that's the beginning in the Alpha and the Omega. Let's see if that's it. Let's see if that's the beginning of the whole scene. Is it? It should reveal itself, eh? Ask it. Who are you? That's what I'd recommend. Yeah? And then when you have that sense of presence, don't ask anymore. Let's rest in it and enjoy it. And then your seeming forays away from it will get lessened. Yeah, less time and less like amp, uh, amplitude, and more and more you'll be familiar with that, and you'll travel lighter here. Yeah, but I'm not a real believer in processes in a sense. But if you need one, that's a good one. It's like throwing a wrench in the works. Yeah, when the works stop, something continues. That's what you are. When the selfing stops, there's still you. <coughs> You're not the selfing. You can stop the head, and you're still going. But you did, you did seek to begin with until you, in all the ways you described. Yes. Until you heard, until you took inside someone's words. Yeah. That provided that flash of illumination. Well, it, what, it was more really a change in direction which was cool. Instead of looking from here, yeah. I, stu- I started looking at where I was looking from, which was great, because that, that's the shortest journey of all. <laughs> I don't even have to pack to go on it. I just turn around and, and then see. Yeah. 
But that little change altered everything. It opened up uh, a but lot of possibility. Point, but I'm just thinking that Zika's question was, you know, to sit down and say, all right, I'll just ask who's, who's behind all this. And it's like, yeah, but we demand more activity than that. So it's, you know, I'll go on a course. I'll, I'll try that retreat. And yeah, yeah. And, and, but the searching has to begin somewhere. And, and if, that, if, that, if those words are meaningless to you, then you still have, it, it's not your search. You have to find something until, and then I think Ben Mack, as you pointed out, is in saying, I have no need for this practice now. It's led me to where, exactly. to where it is. But I have a good hit. If you're here in this room, it's not accidental. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. If you're here in this room, it's not accidental. Like usually, alcoholics don't just accidentally come into an A meeting. You know what I mean? Something. It's usually an indication. Hey, there's a a possibility of a change. Here's an offer. You know, you may not see that, but yeah. So I have a lot of faith in mind, and I believe a lot of us, in our own ways, have done plenty already. And maybe we can just. uh, It's in this case, it's not even putting down the rock. It's questioning if there was anyone holding on to it, which is even faster than putting it down. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean but I understand yes I uh, for all the work that I did as the action figure to get out of it I never saw this until I heard it from outside of me it doesn't have to be that way but that's how it was it was uh, shown to me I heard it from another person yeah and that was uh, yeah I'm very grateful for that opportunity because it uh I was just, fought, you know, chasing my own tail in a sense. Do you remember when it happened? Hmm? Do you remember when it happened? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, no, I'm not trying to be cute. Now is where I. That's this is it. <laughs> now. You may want to say it was a now then, but it's now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So when did you stop chasing your own? I don't know. I can't say exactly. Was it 12:03 or 12:04 p.m. one day? I don't. I've lost a lot of sense of demarcation and boundaries. I can't even remember where we were yesterday. But you know, sometime a while, I'd say around 97 or six, something started to happen. And uh, the the light, you know, uh, the fire was lit a few times. Yeah. The bonfire was lit and was revealed, and then it was lit a few times over the years, and now it sort of perpetuates itself. <coughs> so the fire is self-sustaining. But I heard some nice things that I never con- I never memorized, but I remember them to a T, things from the Course of Miracles, which I heard in 97. Because they, they, I have such a sense-felt feeling when I say them. I like saying them at these talks because it just fucking an unbelievable spaciousness and there's a number of those statements that if you combine them all they probably end up just filling one page but they're like a massive volume of of sense felt mm. yeah over the years of being introduced to ideas through different modalities for me the big ones were the course AA the course and uh, then this non-duality with old Zen not the Zen from Japan but from China those, all of those have a nice flavor that have concocted into a nice soup. Yeah? Yeah. But I wouldn't, I don't, you know, 
see, to me, the AA way of life is basically for the action figure. I, I couldn't, I could not be here more than a week without being supervised by others near the end. You know what I mean? I was totally out of control. My managing my affairs led me to be managed by others very quickly. At the end, I was I had just been in a two-year program. I had been in a three-month program when I was younger in the Bronx, New York. I had been in many jails for very short stays, three to seven days here and there, and it was progressing that way. And the only time I actually did was good was when I was supervised. I wasn't proud of it, but I thrive in an institution setting. Yeah? And so... Without that getting addressed, which was the gift of AA, and the gift of AA for me, if you don't mind, I'll share about it, because uh, the gift of AA for me, many of us come here to AA through bottoms, but I didn't come here through bottoms. When I'd hit a bottom, I would call it home. I would furnish it, and I'd invite you over, and I'd uh, I would party very anxiously because I knew I was going to be evicted soon from that bottom to a worse bottom, but I tried to make hay as I could. And so I had just graduated from this program two years, and they had told me that period of my life being an addict and a drunk, though rather long, was over, and I was hoping they were right. And as soon as I left that program, I got high again, and it went downhill really fast, really fast. So I had hit another level of pitiful demoralis, you know, demoral whatever that thing, demoralization, incomprehensible demoralization, times five. I'd spent two years in this program, went to college, just gone, had no power, no defense against it. Parasite entered my life again, ran on me for ten months. I washed up on the shores of AA, but I didn't come to AA. I was in a trailer park drinking with somebody who I didn't know. I'd come to after a four-day run. I was, I was struck. I was drunk, dumb. I couldn't put two sentences together. I was drunk. You know, when I woke up, I was drunk still. And I was sitting with a guy in a trailer next to this hang gliding park in a town called Calistoga in an uh, hour and a half north of San Francisco. And I didn't know this guy and we were passing a cheap bottle of vodka, Royal Gate vodka. And all I was hoping was to stay loaded till I could get high. I like drugs, you know. And uh, But I had no money, which was the main impediment at the end. <laughs> I had to convince others to buy drugs for me. And my charm was waning, and my looks were waning, and I wasn't able to convince people to do it anymore. <laughs> the gig was running out of steam. So I... Uh, I sat and I was looking at this guy's face and he had a big bulbous nose and varicose veins on his face and I said to myself, this guy's a bum, you know? <laughs> but lo and behold, he was looking back at me like I was a bum or that's how I read it. And the moment of clarity occurred then. And it was like the first recognizable download in my life. I've had many since then, but at that time, so something downloaded and put a stop to the selfing to me it's an activity I didn't think it could stop I couldn't stop it obviously nor could the state or anyone else but it stopped for about I'd say three or four minutes so there was an empty space and then information downloaded and it was like a CNN news flash not a, not a story just a headline 
and the headline was I'm fucked <laughs> it was simple as that and see it was news to me but everyone who knew me who I'd been fucked for quite a while but it was really hit me as news I mean because all the news of being fucked had never gone to the innermost it all got sucked up into the mental state I would admit I was an alcoholic to get a drink and you know to get another shot I had no problem admitting I was an alcoholic but the, I hadn't gone, gotten in and this download pierced that state of where the problem resides and went somewhere else in mind and it was done I was convinced that I'm not managerial quality yeah? <laughs> seriously and nor will I ever be and from that day on I haven't had a feeling or a thought about drinking or using ever since the problem doesn't exist for me anymore and then it reached another level by entertaining these new ideas the problem doesn't exist as me anymore which is much more reliable the problem existing doesn't exist for you anymore is still an experience but when it turns into the problem doesn't exist as you which is the identification itself that's a state that's reliable you can rest there literally and I've been resting there for many many years and it's been it's totally reliable I have relied on it completely because it's gotten even more abstract than ever you know what I mean like you're on a trip almost every day <laughs> so that's sort of what happened with AA so AA set was the first major download and set the ball the field so other games could start going on yeah and without AA there'd be no room to entertain these possibilities I'd be too busily you know, bumper, you know, bumper carring it. You know, I'd be running into others. They'd be running into me. I'd be trying to get what I can't possibly get enough of, and or steal it from them, and on and on. You know, or be dead, or institutionalized, or in jail. So AA gave me a life, and then the life opened me up to what's happening. Yeah, I'm totally indebted to AA, and I find AA a great place to uh, express this. And it's so incredible because I go to meetings and what I felt today at the meeting today, I feel at almost every meeting. I feel that presence of the loving God expressing itself through us, through the group. Just like I feel one here. Yeah? It has a different quality to it, but it's the same, same. And that's never failed me. It's always available at all times. Every meeting I ever went has worked, in a sense. I've always felt better than I did before I came in. How's that possible? You don't do fucking anything. That's the beauty of it. Yeah? So that's basically it. This became the last answer. I haven't done anything else since I heard this because that wouldn't be appropriate anymore. Before, when I wasn't knowing this, it was appropriate to look for it, I believe. But now that I see from it, I don't want to, it's no need to look for it. And I'll tell you, sometimes you'd like to because it's exciting and dramatic and you can tell people, oh, I had this giant surrendering, but there's none of that anymore. It's just fucking dog shit awareness all day. I can't get anything out of this experience because I don't have it. It's not offered to me. This is just like a vacuum when this is going on, a talk. It's just like a fucking empty, it's like hours of no time. You know, just can't grab it, can't make anything out of it, nothing. It's just, it's one of the most awesome non-events I've been ever introduced to. And it's completely a non-event. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I just want to go if they have questions about signing on Hawking Floor tonight. Where would you go if you have questions? I would never come to one of my meetings because I usually don't like questions much. At home, I have everyone trained never to ask me any questions. But I don't know. You can ask while you're here. Come back tomorrow. Ask some of the people here. Some of these people know me for a while. There's no authority here. There's just authority. There's no one authority. You know, ask this dude, ask Yurik, you know, and then you'll ask yourself, and yeah. But if you don't ask a question, the need to ask one will go away. Seriously, if you let it pass and not ask, you won't need to ask in an hour or two. It usually gets answered anyway. It does, really. Just see, see what happens. It's a simple invitation. See, the beautiful thing is it already is available. It's just not available to you. It's available as you, but not to you. Yeah. That's all. And you'll see how much the mental state loves experiences. It'd much rather have an an experience than a state, really, because a state you can't make much out of experience, you can fucking weigh it against all the opposites and the different or the degrees. This was a great experience. But this is just mm, I mean endlessly (laughs) on like a perfect baseline. (laughs) So fucking nothing's really going on. If you're a thrill seeker, this ain't the place to look. I swear to God, man. It will, it will kill you with constancy. <laughs> you may have to go under re- some rewiring, though. You may have to go under... It's like I say in AA, just get on the operating table, don't get up and don't play doctor, and everything will be great. That's the truth to me. We ne- I never get from point A through B to C. Yeah? I don't get to acceptance by trying to practice acceptance. I get to it from just being dosed by AA all the time, and over the years, things happen. Yeah, But I never get, I never set out a course to get anything, because I always run into the rocks. I just let whatever's going go on do it. You know, And that way it stays clean, because you can't lose something you've never owned or had. If you don't own it, you're not going to lose it. I have, ever since this has ever happened to me, sharing, it's been very clear from the onset, it has nothing to do with me. It, like, I feel more as a hose and water moving through than any way as the source of the water. That's why I, it's, it stays to me clean, because there's no way I can get my grubby little fingers on it and make it something. You know? I don't walk around thinking I'm a teacher. <laughs> People who know me know I'm not. <laughs> I, will, I read Yankee blogs. <laughs> That's what I do. I go to thrift stores. <laughs> I buy a shirt or two. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I used to surf, hike. That's it. I don't sit in a mountain and you know quietly for eight hours. <laughs> Meditating in a cave. No. 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 I mean, you could, but that's not my calling. And I go by the orders that are downloaded. It doesn't want me to be spiritual at all. (laughs) 
the way people think spirituality is. It has, doesn't have any intention of me going there. At all. At all. No. It wants me just as I am because it works best this way. Yeah. The message is the importance, not the messenger or the messengee. It's the message. Just like in AA, there's a living grace in AA, knowing it or not. There's a living grace in the AA program. If you suffer from addiction and alcoholism, there is relief available there. And there's a, a grace that will constantly be there to support it. Constantly. Yeah. That spigot was turned on in 1935. It wasn't there before. People who had alcoholism before AA were lobotomized. They were put in the attic. They were put in insane asylums. Read the Psalms from the Old Testament. They bitch about winos. They had no idea. They couldn't handle winos then. They couldn't handle winos now until 35 and then something downloaded and a solution appeared. Yeah? There's still grace behind it. It's a living, living solution for us who have it. Yeah? This has, a, this has grace. Satsang. Yeah? You hear something here, it resonates, doesn't it? Because it's true, you know it. You know before knowing. It's just it's never been articulated to you. So now when it's articulated, you hear it in your own voice. It's not me at all. So that's it for tonight, yeah? We have another... Tomorrow we're in a house. Yes, uh, Yurik's house. It's on the website if you want to come. Yeah? And then Monday we're at Burlington. And it, that's also on the website. You can call up. And on Tuesday we're up in Peterborough. And that's on the website. Zenbitchslap.com And tomorrow I'll have books and shirts. I forgot the books and shirts. <laughs> I swear, I can't believe it. I do it every time. I forgot the books and shirts, but I'll have some tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.